Uh, you explain what went wrong while I try well, and actually nothing that we did. Links. So there's a new option on YouTube. Yeah, so it's not live anymore, but we're live on here. So but this one's live now. Yeah, there's a new option on YouTube, and it looks like you can lock the orientation of the stream for the stream. And obviously, like we do all the setup in Portrait, and it defaults like it either defaults to Portrait or it defaults to the orientation that you did the setup in. Mm. And yeah, so the stream came on, and we're in. The phone's in landscape, but the the people and everyone else are just viewing it like 90 degrees offset, I guess. So now we were going to be horizontal, which is kind of funny because I've just... Does it? Just to kill time while I actually tweet the correct link. Oh, um, uh, yeah. We just had... Uh, and in fact, I think in my last weekly hey, update, I, I talked about this because I was in Fraser Island before. Let's, um, let's yeah. rotate a little bit. Yeah, you should like rotate a little bit. Uh, when we're in Fraser Island, there we with, go. Um, no, too much to me. Yeah, I got that light. You can move this way. Oh, this light I can go away. <laughs> when we're in Fraser Island, <laughs> Gary, as it is now called, we were um, a number of times we were with Charlotte's friends, and I try not to date myself here, but. <laughs> when I was young, we didn't have Snapchat, and like everything was like or horizontal internet. video. Right, but do you, would you normally take like social stuff in horizontal or vertical? What would you do? I just take everything in landscape. Right, you know? landscape. Oh, unless I'm on a video call, actually. I always default to portrait for, like, you know, if you're doing FaceTime? I always do that in portrait. If it's just you? Yeah. What if it's you and I sitting together? Like, well, now, no, like, yeah, it has to ah, be. Right, so this is the point that I was That's making. That's the only time I use portrait, I think. So, um, <laughs> the number of times they'd be like, you know, like we're all in a row here. Like, let's take a selfie of all of us, and they're like, "Yeah, but it's got to be vertical for this, like for Snapchat." It's like, but that that doesn't make any How sense. How are you get four people? In? Because we're all stretched this way, and then there's so many photos. There's like two people and then two half heads. It's like, why are you doing it? Because Snapchat, and it's got to be vertical. And even now, YouTube's going. But why in? And I was saying, it's like again, not to date myself, but it was only very recently where we were saying uh, we were literally making websites to make fun of people who are taking video in portrait mode because it made no sense <laughs> i was getting to the point it's like right when we go home we watch movies i'm going to cover up this part of the screen this part of the screen you only get that bit see how much fun that feels and then it's but it's, it's not just the age thing it maybe it's a norwegian thing if you're norwegian and you're on here let me know but we were having the same uh we're having not the same conversation but a conversation with Charlotte and her dad just afterwards when they were in norway for, for christmas and they're running in portrait mode, and I get like half her dad's head and half her sister's head, and then Charlotte and I are gone the normal way, like this way, because yep. there's two of us sitting yeah, next yeah, to each other. Sure. Uh, and I'm like, you know, maybe you guys should just, you know, it works. Like, there's the whole orientation thing. You get little gyros in there. It knows which way it's facing. Like, it works really well. Auto magic. Anyway, can uh, you tweet a new link, or is it the same link? No, I oh, added new a link. Yeah, there new you link. go. Sure. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Anywhere so, you think that we don't computer. Martin's here. <laughs> hey, up. Which Martin? Up, that sounds English talk. <clears throat> Is it English talk? Hey, up, lads, yeah. Yeah, okay. Right. Well, we're much closer to your home than mine right now. Uh, we are in Paris. We are in France, so we've got champagne. Yep. <laughs> like, Let's if we're going to do this. And it is... I was going to say, like, it's, it's four o'clock in the afternoon already. It's champagne time. But champagne time feels like any time here in Paris, doesn't it? Yeah. It's like, are you out for dinner? Yes, champagne. Are you out for lunch? Yes, champagne. Are you an 11-year-old child? <laughs> yes, champagne. What do you like? So, oh, that's a good sound, isn't it? Like literally, oh, catch. Oh, um, going out to dinner 
or, or lunch as it just was with yeah. our kids as well who are what 10 11 and 14 yes and they get a, a little you know and they're like would you like a glass for the children it's like <laughs> well for water no 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 <laughs> for champagne and to, like they got like a spoonful you know i think yeah. it's just to make them feel included yeah oh, that's yeah anyway that's it, it it's fine but we were both lamenting that if it was the uk mm. or australia cheers. or america well but that's the next level if it was the uk or australia you'd uh you'd like lose your liquor license <laughs> for doing something like that if it was america you'd be it's super strict shot. in america yeah, yeah. like you'd probably be shot they won't even let children well we were in napa valley about a month ago and I was like, oh, it'd be great to go see a, a winery. And they were mm. like, you want to take a child to where they make wine? I was like, yeah, the place where they grow trees. Like, <laughs> I was like, oh, is that it? it's like, and they were like, no, 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 this is not, but this you is can, not acceptable. You can still take a kid into a restaurant in the US and order a beer. Only if you're like at a table. They're not yeah, allowed yeah, to go like near you... the bar or around the bar. Or well, no, because they could like... reach over and take the beer. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was really surprised at how strict it was. And it, and it seems like unnecessarily strict. I'm like, okay, look, I understand kids can't drink alcohol. But, you know, not being able to go to a winery or, you know, you can't stand within 20 feet of the bar in case you smell the booze. I <laughs> know. Oh, it's... Uh, and look, in, in fairness to our friends in the US, we've got stupid laws everywhere. Uh, yeah. But that, that one is exceptional. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, it does seem a tad overkill, doesn't it? All right, let me do the sponsor bit and then we'll, we'll jump into some, uh, <clears throat> probably some very light last one of 2023 humorous oh, yeah. discussion. It is. Yeah. Because yeah. we've got news Eve tomorrow night, remember? Mm. We've got the booking. All right, sponsor this week is Collide, uh, and Collide has been a massive sponsor this year, undoubtedly my uh, my most predominant sponsor of 2023, so big thanks to them. Unpatched devices, keeping you up at night, Collide can get your entire fleet updated in days, device trust for Okta, watch the demo, and as I've said many times before, having uh, having demos and free trials and things like this is a, is a, a must, I think, for not just sponsors, but anyone trying to pitch their things. Uh, I know we certainly do that with Report yep. URI, free trial yep. and Report URI. Probably should talk about that a bit today. So, looking for content? Yeah, no, it's, it's good. We should, <laughs> we should do it it's anyway. It's good stuff. Um, so, uh, go and check them out. Challenge of implementing device trust with Okta. This is in the demo that they'll go over. How Collide integrates with Okta to keep untrusted devices from accessing your company's apps. And how Android remediation removes the IT bottleneck that often derails zero trust initiatives. Uh, and I, I, f I feel like particularly lately I've been talking about more and more ransomware stuff over and over again, yeah. compromised networks. And in fact, I think we should talk about some of that today just because my timeline at the moment seems to be mostly retweeting ransomware stories, which is kind of crazy. Uh, but do go and check out Collide. Massive thanks to them for their sponsorship. Now, uh, I I did this a week ago, probably eight days ago, maybe nine days ago. I don't know. Time zone's become a bit of a blur. Uh, from home after I'd just been... Uh, yeah, on, on holidays on a desert island for, for a week or something <laughs> like that. It's different here. It's, well, it's it, cold for me. It's, it's 11 not. degrees here. It's Celsius. a lovely afternoon. It's not raining. Uh, it's not raining. It, it sprinkled a little bit before. Yeah, it did. But we've then flown over here to Paris. Um, Charlotte and the kids and I got here the day before you guys. And we've um, we've basically just been like drinking wine and eating cheese. For, uh, Has ended up like that, hasn't it, actually? For several days. But it's... Um, I mean, you've been to Paris more recently, haven't you? Yeah. When did you last come to Paris? Uh, it was pre-COVID. Um, maybe 
So it was either going to be 2018 or 2019. Mm. I'd have to look in my photo album. But yeah, like uh, not not too long before COVID, we had a, a long weekend uh, city break, and <clears throat> we came in summer, so it was a lot warmer. Um, it was like way busier. It's even at like the Eiffel Tower today. It wasn't as um, like bus. I know it was still busy, but it wasn't like oh, right. so it was heaving busy. Really? Yeah, when, when you come in the height of summer, it was like super nice weather, like twenty odd degrees. Yeah. It was yeah. It gets it a bit still, wild. Still felt very hectic to me, but you know my my previous trip to Paris was nineteen ninety one. I'm pretty sure I know it was then because I was living in the Netherlands and my parents and I drove down from from where we were living in the Netherlands down to here. Um, so my recollections are hazy. And it's kind of weird, right? I feel like everything before the late noughties is, is just like a bit of a, a void because we had no smartphones, right? Mm. Uh, as I said to you the kids... You can't go back through the photos album. I said to the kids recently, we didn't have camera phones. And they're like, what do you mean camera phones? Isn't it just a phone? So no, like there was a whole thing where the phone started to have a camera and it was very, very do you exciting. Know phones are just for making calls. Like they didn't used to have cameras in them. Certainly no internet. So that was weird. But Paris was kind of cool, isn't it? Like it just feels like, particularly yesterday, like we did a, 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 we just said we're drinking wine and eating cheese the whole time. We did a wine and cheese tasting experience. And After drinking wine and eating cheese. But so much of it is about just like super, like fresh produce and... yeah. Yeah, they are good at food here. It the has smells of everything. Uh, <clears throat> going past like the market. The, there's like little markets everywhere. You know, we just walked like 30 minutes and we've, we've gone past like two street markets, I would say. Mm. And, you know, it's a relatively short walk. And, and it's all like super fresh produce. Like when we went to the cheese and wine tasting at the restaurant yesterday, the guy was like, okay, I'm just going to go over the road to the baker's and get some like yeah. fresh baguettes that were cooked like, you know, 30 minutes ago. Yeah. I was like, wow, that's... Uh, but now That's we've cool. become baguette snobs because he's <laughs> yeah. like, you've you've got to hear the baguette sing to you, and he's like crunching the baguette. Yep. It's like, all like when you twist it and it's like crackles. And then today, when we're near the Eiffel Tower, the kids are like, you know what we should do? We should get baguettes and we'll hold baguettes in front of the Eiffel Tower and then we'll take photos. And we went and get the baguettes, and the kids are like, it's not singing. These are not <laughs> so good. <laughs> these, are, these are not good baguettes. Oh. Um, but it's very much like that. We've eaten a lot of snails, um, frogs, frog legs, frog legs yesterday. But we had we had snails yesterday, snails today. Uh, I'm not Jeez. sure what we're having tonight. We go to a nice restaurant. Oh, and then, yeah, and going to Moulin Rouge tonight. Yes, with the never, kids as well. Never been. Which I, I just it just almost feels like a continuation of the theme of like, would the kids like some wine with lunch? It it just feels like that. The age barriers are totally different here. So when Charlotte was booking Moulin Rouge, she's like, you know, we've got kids, 10, 11, and, and 14. Is it all right? And they're like, yeah, so long as the child is older than six, they can come and watch a burlesque show. <laughs> like, it's fine. But they're so much more relaxed about things here, you know? It's like, what, like what's going to happen? Like, you know, um, they have a sip of champagne. They're not going to burst into flames. They see a burlesque show. They're not going to burst into flames. So I'm sure it'll be fine. Well, we haven't seen that yet. Well, yeah. We well, assume. We'll, we'll tell you on the update next week. Maybe just, we just want to see the joy on their little faces. Let's be honest. Uh, Joe says uh, now they've just computers, cameras that happen to be able to make calls. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the crazy thing, isn't it? It's just so so much changed so quickly. But even like the traditional make calls, like we so infrequently now, I make calls in the traditional sense of using the cell network, right? Yes. Yeah. Like well, FaceTime so frequently. We got uh, eSIMs as, as soon as we we landed. Now using um, yeah, you put us onto it. There's a, a yeah. an app called Nomad, and Nomad has a whole bunch of obviously they just integrate with different carriers. 
you can get their eSIMs and suddenly it's just like super, super cheap to jump on an eSIM. Land 10 euros, install SIM card, welcome to France. It's, it's like literally 10% of the price we used to pay for roaming. So our roaming with our Aussie telco was 10 Aussie dollars a day for one gig. And if you used 10 meg, it's still $10. And the next day it's another $10. If you use one gig and 10 meg, then it's $20. And you roll into the next one. <laughs> So it was a very, uh, by the time there's four of you, you know, it's sort of got a bit, bit pricey. fast. Uh, cyber thing. So look, I mentioned the, the ransomware stuff. There's a couple of accounts on Twitter. In fact, I'm going to read them out and call them exactly who they are because I think they're just tweeting a bunch of really excellent stuff. Just monitoring a bunch of the, uh, the ransomware crew dark websites and sharing their info. Well, I should be clear about it. They're not sharing their info. They're, they're tweeting out... Tweeting? Zeeting? Who that is? I don't know. Let's say tweeting. Yep. You know what we mean. Sharing. <laughs> sharing this information about when uh, when there are ransomware compromises of various organisations, many of them, you know, like massive organisations. As soon as I find where Zitter has now put the list... Where are the lists? Sounds worse. Search list. Oh, here we go. Uh, maybe we should make this public at some time, but I've got a um, I've got a data breaches list here. So some of the accounts that have been really good here, Dark Web Informer, at Dark Web Informer, uh, had loads and loads of good information from them, which I've been resharing. Daily Dark Web has been great as well. Uh, Dominic Alvieri, which is Alvieri D, uh, also great content. So sharing some of that and just looking through my Twitter timeline, uh, and maybe this name is not familiar to you, but Eagers Automotive, which is a, just a massive automotive group that sells a whole bunch of different brands in Australia. They are on the ransomware page for one of these crews. I had a, a, an interview with a, an Australian news firm yesterday who I, I can't say who it was because this thing hasn't actually been disclosed yet, but um, an entity of some significance. Looks like they've been ransomed in Oz and someone within the organisation actually sent photos of the screens to oh. this news agency which included the the tour service uh, URL and also like the username and the password to then pay for your decrypter key and it's 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 a significantly bad one I'll, I'll show you that one offline maybe <laughs> but yeah we'll, we'll I think we'll see that in the news very very soon because we won't be able to avoid that one um, another one here database of University of Western Australia has allegedly been leaked um, now if there was anyone in Western Australia, that could be really bad. <laughs> There's basically nothing in Western. Uh, it's bad. You don't want personal data leaked. But that one, um, that one is another one. That's just that's not even like dark web ransomware stuff. It's like literally. Here you're familiar the, with that website, uh, I think. Yep. Uh, so <laughs> there's that one there. Here's another one. The Ohio Lottery has been breached by ransomware gangs. Ooh, they deal with a lot of money, I bet. They deal with a lot of money. A lot of money. But, um, but also people's financial data for buying. Because I bet people don't really buy cash now, right? It's going to be like card data, bank data and stuff. But would you have that information if you... All right. I don't gamble because I can do maths. But uh, <laughs> I'm curious, if you did gamble, would you... You wouldn't give them your bank details, would you? Wouldn't you just... Well, maybe they have to like paying data. in and paying out. Uh, like you've got to pay to buy the tickets and then... How do you buy the tickets? Actually, in the UK, can you buy like a lottery ticket with a credit card? Yeah. Really? See, I'm quite sure you can't do that in Australia because you are borrowing money to gamble. And I think we have legislation against oh, that. Oh, okay. I mean, I'll check. Like, I've never... Mm. But I'm pretty sure, like, 
if we buy groceries at the, the grocery store, food at the See, I'm pretty sure you can go into your local news agency, you can buy bread, milk, and a scratchy, but you can't put the scratchy on your credit card, but you can put the bread and the milk on your Scratchies credit card. Scratchies are such a terrible idea as well, aren't they? You know, what, just... like, as opposed to all the rest of gambling? <laughs> This is true. I mean, I gamble in Vegas. It's fun. But you get free booze while you do that. So. But that, that's also entertainment as well. Yeah. Anyway, uh, regardless, Ohio Lottery, not looking good there. Um, Richmond Windsor Taxis in Australia. Now, I assume this refers to Richmond and Windsor in Western Sydney, which is a very geographically specific, fairly constrained area. So we've got some ransomware crew uh, this was actually tweeted for Hack Manic. That's Hack with a, a four, not an A. Manic, M-A-N-A-C. Uh, someone here is hacking this as part they of... They just change uh, rules. Uh, oh, here you go. From the 14th of April 2020, as a result of legislation changes in the UK, you'll no longer be able to use any credit card for gambling. So up until a few years ago, you could. Okay. Well, sign of the times. Um, so this one here around uh, Richmond Windsor Taxis. Hashtag Op Australia. That takes you back to like 2009, doesn't it? But like a taxi rank. Like is that taxis like we would, yeah? Having here in the, well, here in, uh, just here in the UK. Oh, my gosh. Well, let's look it up. RichmondWindsorTaxis.com.au. That just sounds like a traditional taxi firm, right? Again, it's really Richmond, Windsor. But like how much stuff do they have to get breached? Well, how much is enough? I can't spell that right. That's one. one letter right. Yeah, it just seems like... Like... Come on. Of all the firms, you know, it's like, call up, hop in, pay cash at the other side, see you later. Well, if, if ever we needed a better business case for Uber. Mind you, they get breached and it's... Yeah. <laughs> because how much your trip history is in there? Everything, isn't it? Yeah. And when... Um, I think I told you, right? Like, I put my mum on my Uber account as, like, family. Yeah, that's, a, that's a great first look, isn't it? Site can't be reached. Site broken. Uh, Richmond. Oh, Windor. Windor. Is it not Windsor? Taxis. Yeah, okay. Sorry, that's me. Um, yeah, um, like I put my mum on my Uber account as family when yeah. we were in Vegas. And I guess, despite me, you know, constantly trying to help all of my friends and all of my family mm. all of the time, um, I don't know obviously how, but her Uber account was breached and they must use some like GPS fakery because they put, they put like multiple trips onto her account. And I did the math and I was like, you know, filing the ticket with Uber. I was like, yeah, so we averaged 47,000 kilometers an hour on this trip. Because <laughs> they'd obviously just like jumped the GPS point really far away on the phone or something. And then been like, oh, complete trip. But did So they... we did like this enormous trip but... in one second. But... So they logged into her account. Yeah. And then like requested the ride. And I guess like their driver got it, who's like one of the scammers or something. And then they completed the trip ah, right. in like so, one second. So no one ever actually ended up taking a ride? No. No, but, but they, they did managed like, to game Uber into thinking they did like a massive trip. And so how much yeah. was the fare? Oh, they were like a hundred, almost $100 a piece. And they did them in quick succession as oh. well. So we had, I want to say six trips in like five minutes and covered a few thousand miles. But, but your theory here is that there was someone who was registered as an Uber driver who benefited from that. There has to have been because we had an Uber to driver. But be, be an Uber driver, you've got to show so much like personal identifiable information and documentation so that if there's a you know, like a sexual assault claim or something nasty like that, they can trace it back to the But if somebody comes to you and they're like, hey, let us use your phone to put some fake trips through and get some money, you know, we'll give you $100. Maybe people oh, will So the do Uber it. driver could be the... the uh, I'll get the screenshots the and show them to you. It was, it was super weird because I'm like, come yeah. on, like how can Uber not figure out the average speed of that trip? <laughs> yeah. It was so bizarre. But mm. yeah. 
but there you have all of the data. Feels and like things like it, yeah. Uber families and things like that as well. Like tying people together is. Anyway, I can't load that website. Joe says you can definitely put it on credit card in the UK, except you can't. Well, <laughs> not I mean, anymore. I yeah, <laughs> have never tried to use a CC. Would the merchant's card be able to tell the difference between a debit card and a credit card? That's actually a good question. On Stripe, I come. You can. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a good point. Actually, Stripe will tell you, won't it? It will tell you. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I'm sure I've bought them in the past because you buy everything together. Is there something about the structure of the card number that differentiates debit from credit, or is there a response from the card issuer to tell the merchant? Mm. That's a good question. I wonder if, like, because if anyone can figure that out, let us know. Yeah, because that sounds. Interesting. Is there like a beginning prefix for credit and debit? I don't kind know. Of thing? I don't know. Uh, okay, whilst I'm flicking back through all the things that have gone wrong this week, so we can't actually load that website, which <laughs> maybe because they've been ransomed, <laughs> ransomed offline, which which wouldn't help. You're cooked in Australia. Do you get you cooked in the UK? These little yeah, like yogurt like, things, um, probiotics, probiotic yeah. for your gut things. You're caught in Australia. Uh, apparently, 95 gigabytes worth of data leaked from them, which is significant. That can't be. Like like people's data though, right? Is that like trade secrets on how to make yogurt? Well, or if if you think about it, when you say people, so you're saying it's it's not like a CSV worth of you know all customers, customers like because they don't sell direct, do they? Either. No, but most of these ransomware dumps, uh, if you've not looked through them before, Treats end up being just a yogurt shitload of documents. And this is one of the one of the things that I'm sort of lamenting with. Have I been pwned? Like, there's so many of these things happening, and I'm sure that there are so many people whose PII is in these documents, but they never get to school, or rather, never get notified. Oh, like do because you... there's gazillions of invoices, for example. Right. Okay. Uh, and then amongst there, I mean, ransomware crews are just taking everything they can get their hands on. So within there, there might be you know everything from like graphic design through the trade secrets of the next like you call yogurt bottle design or something like that. <laughs> Well, if, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, I'm sure it's serious to the company. It, it is, and if, if you're a bad actor and you're in the network and you have the ability to grab as much as you want, like you just take everything, because it also makes the headline look bigger. I mean, you look at this and you go, 95 gig, oh, that sounds bad. Now, maybe it's like 90 gigabytes worth of high-resolution yoga bottles. I don't know. And is that why they've not put, like, 23 million people impacted in data breach? Because no, it wasn't... Well, so have you ever yeah. thought about OCRing? Any like non-text-based things, but you wouldn't have to even OCR a lot of it because a lot of it is text-based. A lot of it's PDF with you know that are okay. not like images in PDF. Yeah, but let's go down this rabbit hole actually because this is honestly keeping me awake at night. If you have a look at the structure of a lot of these ransomware dumps, you get a directory listing, and sometimes you get an all files.txt file which lists the name of every single file. So there is a way that you could go through. You go through the list. You could figure out what file types there are, what they're named. But then, let's say you've got 100,000 PDF files. Okay. So do you go through and pull 100,000 PDF files, and then you've got to be able to read each one of those PDF yeah, files. and parse which, them all out. And parse them, and you... Like, it's, it's just compared to... There's a CSV and you're on a regex over it. Yeah. So you don't, you don't parse PDFs and things like that now? No, or? no. Okay. But the email extractor, open source project, is there on the Have I Been Pwned repository. There is a, an outstanding issue there to start adding that functionality. Um, I just, I, I wonder how efficiently you could do it. You know, like, it, it's hard enough when you get a, you know, a tens of gigabytes worth a CSV file to pull the email addresses out of it's that. Trying to pull pass. it out of PDF documents and things. But, you know, maybe... Maybe some of it's low-hanging fruit. Maybe we could parse, you know, DOCX files really quickly.
Um, and then the other files are going to take longer. I don't know. Docx and PDF have to be manageable. But yeah. then you're going to have no idea what the structure is because there's no no like so, schema for that, is there? But it doesn't matter because so long as you're in regex out email addresses. And then the only problem is, is that every what's time... What's that, like string with an at symbol in the middle and then string? <laughs> well, the, the open source repository has the regex and the rules for identifying an email address. It's, it's roughly that, but we've been trying to tighten it up a little bit to the point where, uh, for example, the TLD has to be one of the IANA official like, TLDs. Yeah. Okay. If it's not one of those, it doesn't work. The alias has to be a maximum of 64 characters. Um, it's not going to get everything spot on. But false positives don't matter too much either. It's mm. like if you went you know, email someone that doesn't exist. Well, we're not going to email someone that doesn't exist anyway because we're not emailing people we find in there. All we're doing is we're grabbing the email addresses, we're putting them in a great big database, and then oh, okay. search yeah, yeah. So, for example, if you search for your know, gobbledygook, a whole bunch of crap at invalidhostname.com, it's like, yeah, you, you, you could find a hit on that, but who's going to search for that? Yeah, okay. And what's the downside? You just end up with a bit of garbage in the database, but to the benefit of being able to parse a lot more, a lot more files. Yeah. It's better to be more relaxed in that scenario, isn't it? The yields are greater good. Yeah, I, I think so. It's uh, another one here, uh, another Aussie one that got mentioned by Dark Web Informer. Uh, scientific Motor Body Works, which I've never heard of before. It's a smash repair shop, right? So the this looks like there's a lock bit. Yep, lock bit. Lockbit page here Oof. says, um, and it's like the typical kind of, you know, smbw.com.au countdown timer with 13 days, 19 hours, 34, 5 minutes and 14 seconds remaining at the time of the screen grab. Smash repair leaders in prestige vehicle smash repair. Get a quote. Fill out this form. It really looks like they just pulled the meta tag, doesn't it? Like they pulled the meta description tag. And so, yeah, it's a bit Next, rough, isn't it? It's just, it's brutal. Because I kind of quote tweeted this and I went, um, can't imagine there's a lot of money to be made on this one, at least not compared to the usual big names that they post. So it's it, it's a small entity. I can't repair. Like, mm. what are they going to, what are they paying the ransom for to get, like? Um, it's a good question. And I wonder, I wonder what the hit rate is like these days on ransomware. Are they also like traditional Bitcoin addresses or? Is that oh, like it'd, it'd or be not? a classic Bitcoin address for sure. I don't know. Uh, flicking back through the rest of it, more champagne? Yeah. <laughs> well, we're still here in Paris. It'd <laughs> <laughs> be rude not to, wouldn't it? It'd be crazy. It's, it's only a half bottle. It's tiny. It's fine. We've got to go and hit the pool after this. It's just really far away from the camera. <laughs> uh, what do they call those big ones? Uh, Magnum? The Magnum. Yeah, we have, have not had, yet had a Magnum, but there's enough of us. Yeah. We have five adults here on holidays, so there's enough of us. We could we could do a Magnum. Um, I think I'm then pretty much through. Oh, this was the only other one I found kind of interesting. I, I think this was just after my last weekly update because I posted the video after that. Uh, Blue Bricks Group. Now, Blue Bricks Group seems to be something to do with, like, blue oh, Lego Lego-y, yeah. That's very Lego-y. Uh, German. So they've had a data breach and they've sent out the disclosure notices like we don't have to read it. It's just like, dear customer, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We got ourselves owned. Uh, names, email addresses, blah, 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 blah. And then I was like, oh, I'll just go to the website and see how it looks. And it's like, uh. nope. <laughs> it's like a, it's a big geo block on that website because I'm in Australia. So it's like, okay, VPN into Germany. Yep, website loads. 
And he kind of goes... Sorry, you're in the wrong country to use this website. <laughs> is that the way you're going to fix this? You know? I wonder if that's... Um, but we still see that now with, uh, particularly me, uh, with a lot of American companies where I go to their website and it's like, oh, sorry, you're in the EU and because of the, you know, the GDPR, you can't do this. And it's like, mm. really? Do we still think that these like invisible barriers on the internet are actually things? But I think maybe the difference here is that American companies are doing that. And as soon as I say there's going to be people out there that are like, well, that's not how it works. You're not allowed to do that. And there'll always be someone with an opinion about this. We should finish on that note of talking about Twitter. Okay. (laughs) I'll go back to that. Like, well, well, screw it. I'll do it. I've had half a bottle of a half a bottle of of champagne. (laughs) I'm ready to go. Three sips. Let's do it. Um, Yeah. So I I think the difference there is that... uh, in, in cases like that, it's obviously U.S. organisations saying we're going to address, um, and I don't even like to say GDPR. It's like regulatory requirements in a completely different part of the world. We're going to address that by letting that part of the world not access our services, yeah. and then we don't have to do anything that's compliant. And I can kind of, I can kind of get that logic in a way. If you're, uh, for example, I remember particularly soon after GDPR launch, a lot of like small American newspapers that were very regional yeah. in nature, and it's like. How much burden do you want to take on board to support the French, for example? Yeah, but the, the question then is, it's like GDPR isn't really that hard to comply with. So then my question is, like, what are you doing so wrong that complying with it isn't relatively easy? But the, the counter argument... You stick a cookie banner on the bottom and it's like, yeah, send it. But that's not it, right? Like, that's, that's not enough. And then you get people arguing, saying, well, that's not because of GDPR. And, and evidently, we did have cookie banners before GDPR. Oh, yeah. Well. yeah. The cookie banner is just like the joke before GDPR, wasn't but it? But the, the, the problem is, is that if you got five people in a room who all live in a world of privacy and regulation and everything, you'd have five different answers about what is compliant and what is not. Mm. And I, I get the point of people just going... I can just make the problem go away by just literally turning up the service. But at the same time, it's like, what what are they going to do? It's like the you know the EU going to send the EU SWAT team over mm. to America and extradite the owner of the newspaper company? And that is you know, very like, come on, it's a very salient point because it's if you are a small American town newspaper and you are in breach, what is the recourse? And certainly, everything that I've seen suggests that unless you are a large multinational, particularly with points of presence in in the yeah. Uh, in the EU or, or very consciously marketing to the EU, uh, it's going to be very hard to get any action. And I've seen a lot of responses from regulators to people trying to bring cases against entities outside of the EU where they're basically like, it's too hard. <laughs> you know, it's like, The only concern I've ever had is being acquired by an entity that has a presence in one of those jurisdictions. You know, something mm. with security headers or yeah. if I, you know, sell report your eye, it's like, well, but, but then, <laughs> you know, you're, you're eliminating that entire region of the world if you're like hey we're going to buy this company but they've been breaking the law for however long you know but then if you're non-compliant you can become compliant and, and, and i think there's a difference between strict compliance and it's like i've been screwing people's data for years and years yeah and i get you know again if they look at it and you say well i think any gdpr compliance thing i've ever signed is like you know we believe that we are currently compliant yeah. it's not you can't i don't think that you can say you are i don't think anyone can tell you that you are or also can anyone tell you that you aren't Apart from the regulator, it, it's a really weird one. We've done a bunch of stuff um, with Have I Been Pwned in, in Australia over the course of this year and given lawyers lots of money, which has not been much fun. Yeah, that's what GDPR does um, good. <laughs> around compliance, primarily with, with Australian privacy regulations, given that we are 
governed by Australian law and we're an Australian operating company. In Australia, the rule of Australia applies. <laughs> well, it, it, it seems like a bit of a no-brainer that the, the number one thing to comply with is the jurisdiction in which you operate and the jurisdiction in which regulatory entities have the powers to come through and make your life hard if you don't do the right thing. But even then, it's like going through and complying with, with Australian Privacy Law and the Office of the Information Commissioner and the bits and pieces that they want. A, a lot of it is very much around the, the things that you do to, to target their various compliance obligations. It's not like it's not like security headers where you go along and it's like, oh, you got an A and it's green. <laughs> it's, yeah. like, it's not that We need simple. like a GDPR scanner like oh, wow. Let's you, do it. you should have Quick. said that on oh. live. Go yep. and register I'm going to go register the domain. GDPR scammer. 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 <laughs> Go check that registration. That one's not yeah. mine. This French wine is good, man. <laughs> GDPR. I'm going to register that one as well now. All right. Whilst we're, uh, whilst we're going completely off topic, the last thing, because we spoke about this, like as we were eating cheese and drinking wine, it just kind of seemed like a funny discussion. Oh. Hmm. You're going to my replies. I'm fascinated. When did Elon take over Twitter? Man, it feels like an eternity ago based on how long this has dragged out. Um, I, like a year? I, I think it's a year. It must is be. It, it's, Look, let's all agree it's a long time. It feels like five. Teams. It's a long time. Um, I'm fascinated by the number of people that... Is that a comment? Is no, it? it's not. It's unrelated. I'm just answering comments. In the oh, chat. okay. Uh, the number of people that, let's call it a year on, are still there, furious at Elon... And letting other people know how angry they are at Elon on yeah. Twitter. Or yeah. it, oh, no. Look, I don't like the name change. I think it's stupid. Um, oh, it's 100%. But, like, I don't think anybody thinks it's a good idea apart from Elon. I agree with everybody on that. But he he has had some runs on the board. Like, let's be honest. he's uh, He's done some stupid stuff. But so where was I just here? Someone was... I'm not even going to name these accounts because it's not even worth it. But... <laughs> Wow, that person is mad at you. <laughs> this person's really mad. This is where it started, right? I just could read it. Was <laughs> like the opening sentence. Like what? As every user on this health site can currently attest, the entire platform is besieged by $8 a month scam posts, crypto scam, illegal weapons, porn, porn ads. How come I never get illegal weapons and porn ads? Phishing. God knows what else. They're all check marks. They, quote, pay a small fee to help stop spam will do quite literally nothing. This, like this person, I mean, we won't even get into that person, but this person is, yeah, angry. Um, angry and angry. someone else has said Troy Hunt would disagree. This is how I got into it. Troy Hunt would disagree because I'd written a thread in October about how small financial barriers do have a way of, of weeding out uh, a whole bunch of, of malicious or, or unauthentic content. And I sort of used my examples with Have I Been Pwned with putting a small nominal fee on the API key and it just got rid of all the abuse straight away. And inevitably, it it does take out a, a massive portion of it. It may not take out 100% of it, the but it doesn't need to take so out 100% of it. And I don't understand why this person is so angry. And I keep hearing people saying that they keep seeing child abuse material on Twitter. Now, in all seriousness, have you ever seen child abuse material on Twitter? No. And to be fair, like, I... I well, to be fair, from, we don't go looking for well, it. Well, yeah, either. there's also that. But apart, apart from ads that are not relevant and I kind of understand like ads mm. are always going to be present in my newsfeed or timeline or whatever I don't see any like I, I've had a couple of people DM me out of the balloon it's just like yep yeah, report spam block person see you later that, you know that was just nonsense but I really don't see anything too objectionable you know like it, it's 
I'm not a massive social media person. Maybe that's part of it, but I really don't see anything bad. You know, like it's. Do, do you know? Is there is there a different experience for people who do pay their eight bucks a month in terms of the amount of spam and junk that they see compared to people that don't? Well, that would be an interesting study, wouldn't it? Because but the, well, but then at the same time, you shouldn't, right? Because the the payment should deter the spammers, which means that everybody should not see as many spammers. Unless that's just another upside. But anyway, this person... <laughs> also, I'm sorry. Now, in the UK, when you say I'm sorry, when yeah. it's like, I'm sorry, you feel that no, way. No, so that's like, that's like proper British English. No, it's not. <laughs> it's like if somebody starts a sentence with, you know... I'm sorry I, I, you feel that way. <laughs> yeah. Which loosely translates to I don't care how you feel. Also, or if they say, I don't mean to offend you, but it means I'm, not I'm racist, about to offend you. Yeah, it's, it's exactly the same. And you're not going to like what I say. Also, I'm sorry, but the simple fact that Troy has a blue check mark after his name significantly reduces his credibility on the matter, regardless of his other credentials. Why do blue check marks reduce your credibility? Um, yeah. I had, I've had a blue check mark for a long, 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 long time. Anyway. Pre, pre paying for blue check marks. I know. But now, matter? apparently, now the blue check mark is a sign that you are. A crypto scammer? <sighs> anyway, I, uh, I didn't have a lot of patience. <laughs> I just said. I told you. Oh, oh, let me finish this one, then I'm go on. Done. Yeah, go, go. I said, I'm just amused by people still here using the platform for free and regularly engaging with others while simultaneously deriding those pa paying a stuff all fee and enjoying a better experience for it. Because there does seem to be anecdotal evidence that when you pay your eight bucks, you seem to get less. Oops, sorry. Because I get no targeted. Well, I see, I see some, I don't want to say it's spam, but I see ads that I'd be happy not to see. Yeah, for sure. I think, and I see a very small number of ads, and it now has a little ad marker in in the feed. I won't even read the rest. And <laughs> it's like it's what is it like seven dollars a month US? It's it eight dollars. I think but it's I, unreasonable I, to say it's expensive. I I did pay for the one the other day, which was it was more, and you could pay for a year, and I think it's meant to take out all the ads as well. I have to double check. I was eating cheese and drinking champagne at the time, so I can't remember exactly what it was. But it seemed like a reasonable idea. I just don't get why people can't just, like, I don't you know, live and let live kind of thing. It's um, like, look, if you're like, if people want to use Twitter, that, that's cool for you. Like, you go use Twitter. If you don't want to use Twitter, that's cool for you. Yeah. You don't use Twitter, right? Like, it, it's I, like, stop stressing about the it. The people that use Twitter don't, like, need to make the people that don't use Twitter use Twitter. And the people that don't use Twitter don't need to make the people that do not. You know, it's like, just let everyone do what they want. I think on a, f a final note on that, like a, it, it, it definitely has changed from what it was a year ago, but I feel the mm. change for me is that a lot of people that were there engaging, offering good content and good conversation, left primarily because it was like a protest against Elon or whatever else, but, you know, it's like some of them went to Mastodon and there's, there's frankly, very few I people with Mastodon engagement there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then there's like blue sky. I, I don't know when I last looked at that. And then there's the threads thing, and it, it does feel like so I have this separate folder for like oh yeah, yeah all of like the so. alternate social. You know, it's like these are the main ones, and then like these are the alt social but accounts. It's basically so it's like, like you put your flag on each different social media thing. Yeah. Otherwise, somebody's going to register my name, pretend to be me, and then post inappropriate yeah. content or something, right? All right, look, I think we're, we're just about finished our half bottle of champagne, of which we've had we a half of one. each. <laughs> I think we need the swimming pool. Let's go and hit the pool. We're going to come and do this again from Italy in a week from now, so we're yeah. still going to be travelling for a bit, and then I think we're going to do it from and Norway. Norway. Yeah. Twice? No, no once, you won't be one there. time, yeah. What, uh, once for you, and then once for me after that as well. 
All right. Thanks for joining, folks. Hope this was enjoyable, casual, end of 2023. See you in 2024.